Welcome back to the Baila Room. Today I had the chance to talk to an experienced dancer, tango teacher, performer, and DJ. We made a deep dive in the tango world. I learned so much about this world, especially how to ask someone to dance only by using this tango eye secret technique called the cabaseo. So without further ado, please welcome to Carol Horowitz. I know, it's a salsa sofa. Makes herself comfortable. So we're here with Carol Horowitz. Yeah. And um, we're just talking before uh, starting to record about uh, how everything started for me. But uh, yeah. I want to hear from you, but I'll, I'll tell you how, how it started for me. Um, I was actually teaching with a very good friend called Marie-Chantal Marion. She was uh, downtown on Saint-Denis. And then they moved on on Du Parc, where it was called Mocha. And that was on Du Parc in Fairmont. Yeah, but Mocha was a tango place first. Yes. And then it switched. Yes, because, well, the we could switched. get into gossip here, yes. Oh. <laughs> but I actually don't know the, the tango part. She bought it from the person who'd originally started it. Correct. Yes. That's what I heard, but that's the only thing I heard. And then it, it was run as a salsa joint for a while. And then I stopped teaching with her and I started to teach in the West Island, then Laval and all these places. I opened three studios. And uh, so, yeah, it's been 20 years. And now we're sh- completely shut down or almost <laughs> shut down because we're do- just doing Zoom. And how about yourself? Where was the inception? What's the, the I, or- origin story? Um, well... I originally worked for the guy who started Mocha, but at another place that he had, which was called Graffiti Tango. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, I got into that because, I don't know, I I had, that story maybe is not that interesting, but I had started tango through modern dance friends who who had taken a tango class and they were like, oh, come with us. It was like one of those kind of things. But... I came. I had lived in Vancouver for a couple of years, and when I came back, I needed a, a kind of job to tide me over while I waited for my employment insurance to kick in. And one of these people that I had known <clears throat> told me that there was this new tango place starting up called Graffiti Tango, and they needed someone to work. I ended up working in the coat check during like big tango nights, and that's eventually it, it was a husband and wife. And she was um, a really uh, talented modern dance choreographer. And she hired me for this piece that was like modern dance, but kind of tango influenced. And because of that, I started doing tango dancing. And then I ended up like teaching for them eventually and whatever. That's how I got into it. They divorced and then that ended. And then he went and did the other place. And what, uh, you were a modern dancer before? Yeah. And what was the training like? Where did you train? I, I grew up in Edmonton. Um, and so I was, you know, I took ballet classes as a kid and I got into a professional program in high school. So I would only go to school in the morning and then I would do ballet classes all afternoon. And, um, for various different reasons, I I had a, a kind of a chronic injury. I ended up sort of moving out of classical dance into contemporary or modern, depending how you call it. And I, I moved to Montreal and I, 
I just ended up getting contracts. And jo- I'm one of these people who never had really goals and just ended up doing things. So, yeah. And w- what made you move? Um, I'm born in Montreal. My parents are from here. My aunts and uncles were all here. And I always, you know, as a kid, we came back every two summers. And I really loved, I, I thought I loved Montreal. Like, I thought I wanted to live here. So, yeah. Awesome. I do love it. I do love it. That <laughs> sounds horrible. I, loved, I thought I loved no, it. No, but, you know, I don't know if you... The culture out west. In, I, I don't know about it. What 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 is it like? Like the difference? Well, it could be very different now, but then it was sort of just less the type of culture that interested me. So, you know, I got made fun of and in school for doing ballet, for example. Like I thought that by coming to a place that was more cosmopolitan, I would f- feel like I fit in better. So they made fun of girls doing ballet. Yeah, yeah. I heard about guys being made fun Yeah, of. well, of course, there were no guys in my ballet class at all, yeah. But actually, in Edmonton, uh, there's a huge uh, Ukrainian population. And within the Ukrainian community, dance is a really big thing. Mm. So um, there are these big Ukrainian dance companies where traditional Ukrainian dance is the women do a certain type of movement, and the guys do very athletic, big jumps, and they're, they're kind of the stars of it. And as this is a really accepted thing within the Ukrainian community, which is so huge in Edmonton, uh, there are actually a lot of, uh, I don't know what, what I'm saying doesn't really make sense, but when people train to be in these big Ukrainian companies, mm-hmm. they do ballet class as a way of uh, uh, like technique and et cetera. Basics. So a lot of boys who end up in like Alberta Ballet Company or the Royal Winnipeg Ballet Company come out of it this ukrainian dance background so got it it's kind of and they're real macho motorcycle riding guys too <laughs> what a contrast yeah <laughs> and when you came here did you continue to train as a, uh, a yeah ballet i had a sc- no i no. had a scholarship at les ballets jazz de montreal so i was uh doing uh i think i had two scholarships at the same time and mm-hmm. it was funny because the school of les ballets jazz was on saint catherine street and on another floor in the same building was some independent kind of neoclassical ballet guy who had a troupe. And I didn't tell Le Ballet Jazz that I was also training with that guy because I really liked what he did. So I told Le Ballet Jazz, the school, that I wasn't available in the mornings, that I had a job or something like that. So I would go to the ballet class upstairs, then come down for like whatever it was, jazz class at noon, and then we would learn repertoire and choreography and stuff like that. And then because I hadn't done class in the morning, I would do classes at night like I was, like it was crazy. But I had like two scholarships at the same time. That's pretty intense, right? How, yeah. how, how was it on your body? Um, do you remember like uh, having pains? <laughs> I guess I was really in shape. I had chronic injuries like tendon problems that, you know, I had since I was a kid that never quite went away and that right. I would be in like physio all the time. Um, I, m- me, I was lucky. Most of my injuries were accident. Well, that's not lucky, but I didn't have so many, like some people, you know, you'll hear they have a knee problem and then they need surgery or this kind of thing. I didn't mm. really have those kind of things, but I did have a lot of accidents because I was kind of fearless in what I did. So I would say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then I would like break my hand or whatever. So I had a, back then it was called the CSST. I think it's the CN whatever, USST yeah. now, but I had a big file. 
So, so once the, like you said, you, you went through training and then um, they brought you to a tango place by accident. So you met with tango, the tango style by pure coincidence, correct? You weren't like, you didn't want to dance tango? No, no, yeah, no. I worked for, so I, I trained at Les Ballet Jazz and then I worked for a modern dance company in Ontario. Then I actually did work for Les Ballet Jazz for a number of years. And then I went out and I was working for independent stuff in Vancouver And that's it. I had come back to Montreal not really knowing what I wanted to do. Honestly, to make it, I mean, I don't know how it works now, but back then you had to have a certain number of insurable weeks to be eligible for unemployment. Mm -hmm. And depending on the unemployment rate in the region you lived, it could be more weeks or less weeks. Mm. And uh, in BC, you needed more weeks and I didn't have enough. So I came back to Montreal. I mean, I liked it here also, but I, I wasn't eligible for for the EI out there. So I came here and I thought that I would keep doing dancing, like, but I didn't really get any work. What is, what is the, let's say when people train in that field, what is the, the, can they, who, who comes out with a job? That's what I want to say. Like, what's the, the rate? Like when you guys are training, Is there talks of it or you're like in a bubble during the training and then who does it, when you see your peers, do you feel that, okay, we're, we're doing this, this is going to be our future? What, what's the talk? What's the I feeling? think that if you've gone to like a professional dance school as a child, yeah. okay, so you have like the National Ballet School where they would take them super young, right? Mm -hmm. That you'd audition as a kid. I did, I did audition as a child, but I wasn't accepted because of, uh, they have certain physical uh, requirements that like... The, you know, things like how long your legs are compared to the rest of your body. Like it's like, Fantastic. so whatever. But that, that doesn't mean you're not necessarily, uh, just because you're not right for them doesn't mean you're not uh, right. So anyways, I trained heavily as a child. Um, and so I would say that as by the time I was in a, a teenager, I was in professional programs where the goal is that you will probably end out with a job Got it. not necessarily like you're aware of the fact that very few people do get jobs but i would say out of the maybe six people who were in my class in edmonton one became an actress and two of us became dancers but the two of us who became dancers are the ones who were told our whole lives we would never make it because we were too short or this or that so Um, we didn't end up working in classical ballet, which has a little more stringent physical um, norms that they follow. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just amazed that people walk around this earth telling other people, you will never make it. Oh, yeah. And as a child. <laughs> Is it crazy? As a child. Don't you think it's crazy? It, and, and at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter. Like, why would I spend time telling people, yeah. You won't ever make it. Like, first, I, I don't see the future. Second, what does it say about me at that moment? Why do I do that? Like, well, I'm doing him a favor. Like, maybe that's what they yeah. think. I think that things have changed. Like, now there's sports psychology and... Or, oh, I, or, thank you. Or, or that always existed, perhaps, but maybe not so much in the arts. And the arts mm. follow, like I'm talking classical arts, like mm. classical music, classical dance. They follow very old 
ways of doing things. I had a ballet teacher, so I was at this ballet school. She was nuts. She would, uh, she would almost like hit us, you know, like not quite, but not yeah. quite. She but she to. was, she was really mean, and um, we were never good enough. And she was probably having a nervous breakdown herself, or not doing what she wanted, whatever it was. But I mean, I would be crying every night, and my mother, I remember, was saying like. Uh, you know, why are you doing this? Why do you keep doing this? It must have been painful for them. But I think people who find that kind of interest or passion very young, they they become really narrow-minded about succeeding in it. So like you would ask like some some sports person, right, who becomes like world champion at the age of 19. Obviously, they've been serious about it for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Right? But I have I have this story in my head right now. It's just just popped out. I remember going to a music shop and I don't want to name names. And every time I would go there, I was young and I was playing guitar. I would get the worst service possible. And it was like, like the norm. You get worst service. Like you're always bothering the, the salesman. And it was a joke running around saying, these guys are frustrated rock stars. <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's probably, the, that's probably a situation in a lot of people where they put their frustrations on the new people that come up, you know, it's like, instead of saying, yeah, that's really cool. Hey, uh, you know, don't stop and encouraging them. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they're going to succeed, they're going to succeed. You know, if they, if they have it in them, you, 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 or you, you, you tell them like you put them down or you help them out and you tell them it's possible in 10, 20 years, we don't know if they have it in them, they will succeed. Yeah. And people think, I think the, what's that with the baton they come in with the baton say hey and that's the old method and can you yeah. believe this only one generation and nobody beats children anymore <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy yeah yeah huh? you know for any of us whose parents got hit by their parents Big it's time. very must have been very difficult for them to know how to discipline us yeah lack of lack of knowledge i guess Lack of uh, lack of exposure to different ways of doing things, but you're right about what you say about like this the sort of bad treatment as being the norm. Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, and in dance, it, it, it this is like a different conversation, but in classical ballet, like because so much is based upon a physical uh, aesthetic. Um, not only are like someone not accepted to a certain school because of height or, or leg length or the arch of their foot or something like that. Well, very young, you have to learn that when you're given a correction or a physical thing, that it's not you personally. That's a very hard lesson to learn. But a lot of the, you know, they talk about, especially girls, young girls are very prone or it's it's a danger that they could be prone to uh image problems and you know diet problems and in dance it's like you know a thousand times more so oh. i was told at a certain age i remember that i mean i was always very very thin there was a, a time in my life where i i for whatever reasons had put on a couple pounds and i was told you know there there was no way i would get hired if i didn't Were you lose weight? Those, during class? During I was schools? not, but I know that they did that. Uh, they did not do that in my school. But I, I did have a friend who teaches at a school here, and there was a time, maybe they don't do it now, probably not, but they did used to raise uh, weigh the girls every week, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah. 
It must leave scars. It must leave scars. I'm If sure. You're away you know, every week. You know that movie Black Swan that came out with I Natalie Portman? Yeah, I kind of remember. I it. wouldn't watch it. I no? was afraid to watch Seriously? it. Seriously, did you? Yeah, I watched it. At, yeah, we. It already was on Netflix, and I was sick. I had the flu or something. I was at home, and I mm. thought, okay, now I will watch it. And I watched it, and I thought, no, I know why I didn't want to watch it, like because it's just too true. All that mental games and crazy stuff, and <coughs> excuse me, the bad image of oneself, etc. Wow, it's yeah, it's not that it's there all the time, I, but I, it's there enough to to affect people. I, I think they they justify it by thinking they're building character character sorry For sure so they're they're thinking suck it up you know yeah it's gonna be tough out military there. kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. you're gonna you're gonna go to war yeah. only one of you are gonna make it but i think things have changed a lot that yeah. because Hopefully. i think they have learned a lot from what i was gonna say sports psychology mm. and stuff and that and uh now even ballet schools they they do things completely differently like they do you know um physical training types of physical training that people didn't do before like weight training and all sorts you know because science has evolved and sports science and stuff so yeah. things are things are I think there'll be a, a, a unethical human experience where you grab 10 people on one side you beat them and the other 10 people you you just give them love <laughs> and, but it's the same tasks it's exactly the same tasks and then when you're down the road you test for results and and then <laughs> You have you can have a clear answer if it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's like those little crazy. little uh, exper those experiments that were done with like rats, you know, feeding mm. them sugar and not feeding mm. them sugar and stuff like that. But I have found that the the one thing that that classical training has not served me well is that, like I said, that um, you know you learn that okay, someone gives you a correction, like okay you know, lift your arm or do this or you're crooked and you, d you don't take it personally. But I have had to relearn how I talk to not necessarily students because I think I try to be really polite <laughs> to my students, mm. but dance partners, I've realized like, oh, you can't talk to, you can't just say, oh, that didn't work or uh, no, uh, you know, actually that you can't be factual like that. You have to actually like should kind of coat the way you talk to people. And I agree. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, that is, it, I'm not good at that. It's a very good uh, and interesting point. I because uh, partnership throughout my partnership, it really helped me not to uh, be that egoistical, like or, or or not just perceive my perspective on things. Very very interesting uh, uh, when you when you work with so close with somebody and you're trying to work a choreography. Wow. It's hard. I miss it so much. I, I, there's something about, you know, just interacting and building something with somebody so close and, and working out the kinks and, and learning how to talk. I remember there was one of my partners was, I always felt that if something went wrong, it was always my fault, you know? And I just, at some point, just had to say you it. You did that to yourself or, no, or that person made you feel that way? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah way see, that's, that's what I mean. So whenever there's something... It's like you, you did this, you did that, right? And it's and throughout the years, I just by being honest with her and being more and more honest, the closeness that I felt with her was better. Oh, that's good. And <clears throat> it, it was work in progress because sometimes with some people it flows, and with other you have something happens, or the way she talks to you, or something that makes you feel a certain way. And sometimes just 
taking the guts to to say it you know just please don't can you not talk to me like that because you know it's not gonna go anywhere i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna freeze inside right and when you're creating feeling a hundred percent good with the person is so important you can't have resentment no you're right i think though that it's sometimes it's it takes a lot of like being able to say something is one thing, but recognizing yourself what actually is the problem and making you feel a certain way is 100%. also like a step yeah. that you have to take. Yeah. And it's true, we we all grow with these kind of partnerships, but, uh, you know, working with someone that intensely is like a, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. So, or a sibling relationship could be, but sometimes we're less polite with people we know really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see that in class. You must see that in class. When real couples, we used oh. to do partner change. Okay, let's change oh. partners. Yes, our philosophy was that you learn better by changing partners and dancing with strangers. But sometimes we call a partner change because we see a couple starting to fight. I, I, it's actually funny. It's like, it's like when the music starts to play, like when the explanation, they're like, they freeze, they don't say anything. As soon as I put some music to practice, yeah, 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 yeah. and what I do is I, I walk around, I get close to them, then the level goes down a bit, and then they look at me with a smile. <laughs> 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 Just remember these seeds all the time. But, but th- that's, a, that's a, such a, um, a thing that I was always thinking is, why am I at the worst with the people I love? Like, I don't, like, why do we reserve this is such a because not we expect, fun i guess we expect so much yeah but, but like why why am, am i not like that with somebody that i don't know that well but the people that i really do care about sometimes i show my shit side you know it's like oh bravo don't don't, don't stop Elias. you're on the right track but um wanted to get back to uh the tango and salsa and i'll tell you a little story because i was always wondering why salsa i'm wearing my salsa shirt I'm now wearing, but, this is a tango yeah, festival t-shirt yeah. power okay but 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 i mean I, I tried many dances some for a long period of time i did african i did afro-cuban i did tango i did ballroom i did uh what else a bit of hip-hop and i try them all to a certain extent i did actually the funniest thing is ballet me at 40 years old downtown montreal with don jordan was amazing don jordan for one year two times a week i sucked it was amazing i was with amazing dancers all around me everybody was and i was the only guy doing like those (laughs) it's just just a funny sight but i wanted to get a bit of that you know like you said classical training and stuff like that's very helpful by the way i saw a couple of your videos and i i knew right away because the legs the lines are different they're just killer right so you can realize and you see this in salsa also when people get classical training or then they convert you, you you teach them salsa for two years and then you can compete. Oh, you see it in figure skaters It's too. just crazy, right? Yeah. But I want to get back to, to the dancing thing. So some dances I tried and it made me feel a certain way and I always got back to salsa for some reason and I liked the fact that it's kind of like a melting pot also of a lot of dances. And I thought about why, because people are saying, how did you fall into salsa? And I, I think that the day I saw it, I'm, I was thinking, how come nobody told me it existed? That's Aww, how I felt about nice. it, right? So, so I danced for like the past 20 years, and that's a dance that I made my business on and everything. 
And I remember going to uh, Tango Scene. Uh, first time I went to downtown, I was, I think, Studio Montreal, if I'm not mistaken. Is it possible? In Mont- Notre Dame? Yeah, that was, was it us. You guys? Yeah. That was us. So I came On in Notre Dame. and yeah, yeah. I was extremely intimidated when I came in. And then it, I think that every beginner at any given time is going to be intimidated in any style. You came for like a trial class and or something? No, no, no. To oh. any, an event. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> my God. I should have went to a class first. And that was my first meeting with Tango. And I remember the contrast. The contrast. Of it's I not felt, fun, is it? But, but I mean, I felt it was internal. And that's how I compared it. Mm. So I said, okay, so Tango is more internal and salsa is more explosive party like a bit like swing and then i took some private lessons and i tried but for some reason it my time it's also you know like time management and we have so much time we can't continue every dance right so i tried a bit for about a couple of months a couple of privates and i realized first how really difficult it is more difficult to learn how to lead well than salsa and i just realized that it was just based on the fact that we have a little more give in salsa, meaning we're, we're open-ended a lot with the hands, so the mistakes are better hidden. <laughs> Once you're close with somebody, if you do a one false little step, the person feels it, so it's a little more tricky to learn how to lead well. And what I want to get to is, why did Tango talk to you that much that you stuck with it? And... What do you find about that world that is so particular that I, when, when I saw it first, I was a bit taken back? Well, <clears throat> first of all, I, I didn't really know about other dances, to, like aside from like what we've been talking about, like, you know, conventional, classical or contemporary dance. But as far as social type dancing go, I, I mean, I've heard, you know, heard of salsa and stuff, but I didn't have anyone I knew who really danced it aside from maybe you go to a party and a couple of people are dancing, but that's because they've come from El Salvador or whatever, mm-hmm. not not like people who've gone to classes or mm-hmm. things like that. And then <clears throat> for tango, I think I'd always liked the music. I'd heard the music. You know, Montreal has, you know, a sort of a relationship with the jazz festival with Piazzolla used to come. And w- when I worked for Les Ballet Jazz, we had a piece choreographed. It was very choreographed dancing. It wasn't tango at all, but to tango music, you know, so mm. I think I had a sort of a, an ear for it. I liked the music, though I like salsa music too. So that's not, doesn't really explain anything. But <clears throat> I think that also is just like, I fell into it because friends were doing it. Mm. And uh, I, I, I th- what I liked as far as, what I liked as far as the dancing aspect was, but you could tell me this exists in all dancing, but was the improvisational side. I had been involved in an improvisation league for contemporary dance, like like uh, like these things exist in theater, you know, where people, you have teams and then they throw out a theme yeah. at them and say, okay, yeah. you have to be at the restaurant, this and that. 100%. So I, be- I belonged to a dance uh, improv league at one point and I always liked it. So this is what I saw as in, I only, I didn't really learn to lead in tango. I learned to follow because I realized right away that if I learned myself, how to lead, I would never learn how to follow because I'm kind of bossy and I, and I know what I, I like to know what I'm doing. And when you're 
following, you have to kind of give up that kind of control mm. of knowing what's going on. So I realized that if I learned, was very much at, um, in style at that time, it, things kind of loop around. But at that time, it was very in style that everybody learned both roles. It, cool. it was kind of alternative kind of thing seen here in Montreal at that Can time. Can I stop you there? Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's not? Uh, it wasn't and now it more is. Okay, right now it's more of everybody learns both parts. <clears throat> Not necessarily in Montreal. Okay. Uh, I, we could talk more about that if you want. That, that'd be lovely because in, in, I always said in salsa, we are stuck in the 30s if we talk about men and women role. There's very like a macho kind of... There you know, is in tango as well. In tango, if you go to a dance evening, which we call a milonga mm -hmm. in uh, like a, a, a party night, yeah. right? Um, it's pretty traditional mm. men women in in tango we don't we we're so stuck in the past that many people don't even invite people to dance we have what's called a mirada and a cabaceo so you 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 know like you catch the person's eye across the room and you kind of do this <laughs> That's so funny yeah no serious? well this is oh yeah and it's oh, based you, you in look, tradition yes you look yeah and if you want to if you want to dance with me but i don't want to dance with you i just don't look at you all night that's long. amazing yeah but what is this for it's to save <sighs> face so no one ever has to cross the room and be rejected this is amazing i love it so you're sitting there So if you don't want to dance, you just look at yourself. Yeah, or you pretend like, to be really interested in the conversation with the person <laughs> beside you. So you're so fixing your shoes. Can, can I can I just come over and just just? No, that's that's considered <laughs> just to be look. stalking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, in, oh my and it's God. not like it's necessarily <sighs> still done like this in all <sighs> places in Argentina. This is crazy. But like I didn't if you went to a club, a traditional club, yeah, um, very very traditional, like uber traditional yeah they would place all the women on one side of oh the room my God. and all the men sitting on the other and Crazy. couples on other extremes kind of things all right because like you know you don't invite another man's so wife to dance so there's a bunch of guys on the on one side is it a bunch of girls yeah, on the other side try to and, think and who's eyeing who <laughs> so you know That's you're taught okay. we teach we we, we teach okay, this all to our, kids we, uh, to our kids and we to our kids to our students and we explain to them uh. that you should have to know about it you don't have to do it I, but you so, have to know about I, it because you can go somewhere dancing and not end up dancing and not know why and it's because they're uh, all doing this right so I'd you, be listen I'd be so confused like I just learned about it right now so that means every time I went to these places and nobody was looking at me I know now <laughs> yeah 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 and the thing is is it's actually kind of you know it gives the followers which we're going to say women yeah as much power got it okay so yeah. you know people say oh but only a man can invite you to dance well only if you want to be invited to dance right and That's there's amazing. nothing stopping me from kind of like you know like giving hey. you the sign and, and wow. yeah i remember i don't do it much i'm nearsighted sometimes i don't wear my glasses sometimes i don't wear my contacts i'm shy so it's hard mm. for me to and it's hard in our culture to learn to look people straight in the eyes so yeah. there's a whole thing about it um, in Most American cities that are big on tango, they're very into it. Oh, like you wow. have to know about it. Like it's like, oh, okay. Here in Montreal, some people do it, some people don't. So you have to kind of be open to kind of things. I'm shy. I don't, I, and I've been in the Montreal community a long time. So I just tend to dance with my friends. I'm not one of those teachers who like goes out and dances with everybody. I'm not, I'm not good about that. And I'm also not, I know a lot of guy teachers who do it probably to get more private classes, whatever. I tend, if I want to go out and dance, I tend to want to go for a social reason. I want to 
Mm. I, for myself and for my students, I want to show like I'm there to have a social experience. It's not the same if you're organizing something or whatever, but I'm not good at the cabaseo thing. And I was at it's an amazing. event in the U.S. once, and I um, I don't know. There was a guy I knew and uh, who I've known a long time sitting on the sitting on the edge of the stage. It was like in a auditorium or something mm-hmm. like that, a high school gym or something. I got, he's sitting on the edge of the stage. And I thought, oh, okay, well, this music's nice. I'm going to cabaseo him. And it worked. And he was far away. And it worked. And Your he, gaze was piercing. And he came up to me and he said, oh, my God. This is what he says. Oh, my God. I never cabaseo anyone. And I thought I'd try with you. And it worked. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought I cabaseoed you. <laughs> I was the first. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that. That I'm not God. good at. It. I'm really not good at it. But we explain to our students how to do it, and that and that it is. You know, some people would find it scandalous that I'm saying that I don't actually do it that much because for some people it is the only way. Mm. And there's some people. It's like you know my big fat Greek wedding. The way yeah. the way like uh, certain traditions become uber traditional yeah. in the new world, but in the old world they're letting it go. Mm-hmm. So there are some clubs in Argentina where it's very traditional, but Come on, if you're sitting around a table with your friends, everybody just goes, hey, you want to dance, right? Yeah. Um, is, this tr- is this true that, I heard it, like because uh, I, I don't know anything about tango, is it true that you have to dance three dances? Is that, is that a fact? We have what's called a tanda, which is like a, a, a set. Okay, so if you drop somebody during that set... It's not looked on as being very... <laughs> you're not polite, right? No. But what, what, now, now, in tango, we dance so close, yeah. right? So... In salsa, what, what we do is we, I could dance with easily 20, 30 people in one, one sitting, right? Or one, one event, sorry. And, uh, and you can vary your, your proximity. You know, even the girls have control and give tricks to girls sometimes to keep their distance. But in tango, you can't. Or can you? You can a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But the proximity... Is closer. It's closer, right? So you, there must but be she horror doesn't stories. Have to be, yeah, um, but no? not as much as you would like. No? You know the way it came out a few years ago in the in the swing community that there was all such a, a kind of like abuse going on and stuff. Yeah, like, it no, came in salsa also. Um, not so much in tango. Um, maybe, maybe I have a theory that maybe it's because tango attracts people slightly older. And mm. maybe the women have a better way of, they know themselves better and can draw lines easier, maybe. Mm. But, um, yeah, I can't speak for someone who, like, coming out of dance and coming out of, like, partner work and, you know, conventional dance, and a lot of the guys are gay anyways, and uh, you don't have sort of, you don't associate touch with a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. So for me coming from regular dance, I can't, it didn't bother me to be close yeah. to somebody the way with uh, some people have big bridges to get over about that kind of proximity, mm-hmm. but we teach it at a distance. And then we talk about it, uh, you know, that if you really didn't want to be close, if someone, you know, proposed a closer frame that, the woman can like kind of put her hand on the guy's arm and Got push it. a little bit away. Yeah. But all that being said, like I know people who teach in New York who teach what we call close embrace right away. Mm. That's face to face almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's well, intense. you put your head sort of on one side, but mm. yeah. 
Yeah. I, uh, it's right, right, chest to chest, if you'd like. That, that's something that was, that kind of <laughs> intimidated me when I started to learn when the teacher just went, you yeah. know, it was like, oh, 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 oh. And you know. I know that in Argentina, they're very kind of uh, traditional society. Yeah. Like, uh, but it, there must be something in the culture there that being chest to chest is not considered Got it. anything. Though we're further, much further apart at the, like, the from hip. the waist down, mm. there's no touching ever in tango for that. You stand in a slight angle so that you're much further apart at the feet. That's what permits to do the fancy footwork in a closer frame. You're, you're, you're not straight, actually, completely. Makes sense. Yeah. And um, so you danced tango for a while, and then at what point you made the choice to make it a business? I never made that choice. That's what it, it just, sounds. It just, it just, it just happened. happened. Mm. Um, that's what I was sort of. I, at one point, I realized that I, I, I was actually depressed. I was like, "Oh, I'm doing this, and I never really planned it. And I have like, what does that mean? I have no ambition, and I, you know, I, I started asking myself a lot of questions at a lot mm. of point. Like, I was unemployed. I got hired by these people to do this contemporary piece that was sort of influenced by tango. So I started doing tango and I was still unemployed. And then I got a few modern dance gigs, but I would come back because I was working their bar, working the coat check. And then they started hiring me to teach. And at one point they hired me to do the administration. And that's when I'm starting to say like, okay, wait, what am I doing? Like, this is like my whole life is working doing this. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't I be still auditioning for other things or shouldn't I go to university and study something else or whatever? And, And no, I just sort of got sucked into it and um, because of a lack of an idea of what else I wanted to do. But that's not to say that I'm ungrateful or ingrateful. I, I do enjoy it. I, do, I enjoy doing all sorts of different things. And that's what this sort of career has permitted me to do. I do do some administrative stuff. I do get to teach. I do ha get to have a more um, creative outlet and you know, practice and stuff like that. Much less now than I did before. Running, running your own place, you end up having to sacrifice a lot of the fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like it said, it becomes. Sometimes when I, I, I came home, I, I rather watch a movie than go out and social dance. And yeah. I was telling that to my students. I go, yeah. listen. I, I get like I. <laughs> well, I like to go. It doesn't sound right, but I, I like to go to a few, at least a few times a year, tango events in other places. Yeah, for sure. Where people don't know me. They don't yeah. know who I am. They don't know it's what I do. It's a great feeling. And it's fun just to go out on the dance floor and have fun as myself and not be connected to anything 100%. else. 100%. It's just go, going back to the roots, right? So, how we felt when we were dancing yeah. and why we love this dance. But the, the, the thing that happened in your life and you 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 the way you put it is as if you the things happened and you were just there but you still chose them you chose to stick with them right there was a reason behind that yeah choice. there could be yeah. there could be i guess i enjoyed it but uh i have do have the kind of personality where i like to do everything well Mm. So sometimes I just stick with things like Which is when a good you thing, no? it is, but yeah, it yeah. isn't sometimes because you don't know when to quit. You know, uh, for instance, I worked for this other uh, tango place, and it took a lot of bad things happening for me to finally say, "Okay, this is enough," and I'm mm. leaving. And coincidentally, uh, the person that I started Studio Tango with came to his own conclusions about leaving at the same time. 
Mm. He was actually in Spain studying uh, flamenco. He'd had a grant. He was studying there for a little bit. And I had been in Argentina studying. And both of us came while being away to the realization that we were in this really toxic uh, kind of situation. And why don't we split away? And so in the beginning, we looked for a space to rehearse in. Because we had a lot of really... Uh, we had a lot of commercial gigs, like mm. being hired for some conference and doing like a three-minute number and stuff. And we needed uh, uh, a place to rehearse. And we'd been using some flamenco studio, but you know, hourly it was starting to add up. And so we thought, okay, why don't we rent our own space? And we found a space. It was on Blurry between St. Catherine and De Maisonneuve. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't exist. It was torn down. Uh, but uh, kind of across from Music Plus or across from the the Imperial Theater. Yeah. Was it a bar? No, no. It was like a little thin rectangular room that had two huge bumps in it Mm -hmm. where the the beams were underneath. We just had a little dance studio there. I think we paid like, I could be wrong, I think it was 600 a month or something Mm -hmm. like that. And... um, and then we decided to teach a few classes. but So that's how it started, too. It's not even mm. like, oh, we couldn't even find a name. Even the name is just because we couldn't think of anything interesting. Studio Tango Montréal. I mean, we sat there and we tried to Listen, think of really interesting it is, names. It is the best name you can think of. The at, best one. At the time, it was like, okay. It's the best we one. We went to register and we were like, okay, no, okay, no, no, let's no. just it's use that. It's the best name ever because if you think about search engines and finding you, People are going to write Tango Montreal and they're going to fall on you first. That's true. We didn't think about that at the time. I wish I did for my company name. That I'll tell you. Yeah. I took a cryptic company name and then I'm thinking, I should have just called it the city name and salsa and I'd be gold. Yeah. And, and a lot of good things happened just because of coincidence. Like that summer. So we, we painted the place in August. We opened September. But mm. just before that, when I had... Just before I officially left the other place, I went to a tango. I think in salsa, you call them salsa congresses or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, but exactly. in, in tango, they call them festivals, even though there's sometimes not much festive about it. But I, I went to this tango conference or festival in somewhere in the U.S., like Ohio or something like that. And I went because I there were two very famous dancers who were going to be teaching there and I thought I want to see them live and it was friends of mine from Boston who'd come up to Montreal Montreal at that time was a really popular tango destination Mm. people would drive up from the U.S. to come here for a weekend because our tango clubs were nice you know like they were held in bars or this or that Mm. and you could have a drink and in the U.S. it was always like people trying to spike the punch and nothing nothing much was going on right so people would drive up from Boston, from New York, from New York State. Anyways, a couple of my friends had come up from Boston and they were like, oh, we're going to this event. You should come. And I'm like, oh, I didn't apply and whatever. And uh, no, you should come, you should come. And I think I count, I, I, I contacted the organizer who for some reason, I don't think it's someone I knew, but for some reason allowed me to pay in Canadian dollars instead of U.S. dollars. I really don't know why. And uh, so I went. And I met there people who became like career connections for the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, One of those famous teachers, I 
went to his class. He showed up uh, late, typical, shows up and he says, um, when he goes to start, he grabbed my hand. And I thought, oh, he's going to do what a lot of teachers do is they're going to demonstrate with one person and then the next exercise they'll demonstrate with someone else. And he grabbed my hand and he says in Spanish, who's going to translate for me? And I had been to a class in the morning with another teacher and the translation sucked, you know, and nobody answers. And we're in the U.S. I mean, there's a lot of people who speak Spanish. Nobody answers. He asks again. Nobody answers. So I said to him, I knew he lived in Paris, so I said to him in French, well, if you do it in French, I can translate. And he said, you speak French? And I'm like, we're speaking French. I said, yeah. He said, you speak English? I said, yeah, I'm from Canada. And he's like, oh, okay. And I taught all his classes with him, hmm. translating from French to English. And I thought, man, this guy doesn't know how lucky he is because we're used to doing that in Montreal all the time. We would always, in our tango classes, we would call some of our classes Air Canada classes because <laughs> depending on who showed up, we, we were all bilingual. So we would teach also in English in some of our classes, not uniquely in French. So I thought, okay, he doesn't understand how lucky he is because I'm used to even translating the terminology, right? Mm. And uh, this guy, the, the reason for my story is I didn't speak to him the whole weekend aside from in those classes. Not socially, didn't dance with him, nothing. No uh, thank you, no nothing. I think he would say thank you at the end of class and that was it. You know, like he was kind of known to be kind of a loner and I was shy and I didn't talk to him. And one day, the last day, a bunch of us were in the shopping center next at a cafe and he came in with one of the guys that I knew from New York and sat down at the same table. And he said to me, oh, you're, you're from Montreal. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, oh, I'm coming to do a show at the casino in Montreal. And I was like, oh, because the casino had a super bad reputation mm. for uh, either not paying people properly or shows being produced. I, I, please, if anyone's listening now, I have no idea. It's not the same producers or anything. But at that time, I had known people who had gotten ripped off and stuff. And I was like, oh, you, you better make sure that the contract is good or something like that. And he said, oh, and I know such and such a girl in Montreal. Do you know her? And I'm like, yes. And she's going to organize tango classes for me. And I was like, oh, okay, great. You know, whatever. So I think I sent him a message saying, okay, if you're still coming to Montreal, we're opening a new studio. We are having a party on this night if you want to come. No answer. Okay. Then to get back at that same weekend, you remember I said that I wanted to see two teachers? Well, the other guy never got into the U.S. He got stopped at immigration for mm. whatever reason. But the person he was supposed to speak to, to teach with, Cecilia, her name is, <clears throat> taught his, the classes they were supposed to teach together alone. She taught the basic classes and the intermediate ones alone. She could lead as well. But the advanced classes, she was worried that no one would go to. So she was friends with this other guy I've been speaking with. And he not only taught his classes, but he also taught this other guy's advanced classes with her. 
So I would go to those classes too. And she spoke English. So she could have done the translation. And he's like, no, 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 this girl translates really well. So I even translated in those classes. And one day I was sitting outside and I met her and she seemed really nice, really someone with their feet on the ground. She seemed like a good teacher or whatever. And she said to me, oh, sometimes I go to the U.S., Maybe I could come to Canada. I'm like, okay. And she had sent me a fax. So it's back in those days, a fax saying, I'm coming to Canada. Do you, could, do you want to, you know, could you organize classes for me? And I'm like, oh, well, if you could come this weekend, that's the weekend we were opening. And I had never actually seen her teach alone, right? And mm. But you know when you know someone's got to be good? So this is all to come back to on the opening weekend, she was there. And she said, oh, Pablo's in town. Uh, yeah, he was with the circus, uh, not the circus, the uh, casino. I'm going to call him. I know his real name. So she called the hotel. She knew his real name and was able to speak to him because he was registered under his real name there. And we went to see the show and everything. Oh, he has an artist's name? That wasn't his real name? It's not his real name. No. Okay, okay. No. And... um this is to say that... Uh, He's known as Pablo? Yeah, his name's Pablo Veron. Okay, okay, I heard the, the, the Veron thing. And uh, he... Uh, so on the opening night, I don't know how I managed to hear the phone ring. And it's him. And he's saying, hey, are you guys still having the party? And I'm like, yeah, we have the party. Okay, so we're going to come. Is there food? I was like, no, there's no food. And he said, okay, we're going to come after. And so at our opening party, we had all these, like, she was teaching, he was there. So sort of these, there was already a link with these really well-respected people in Argentina. Mm. And through them, like, he, in the end, didn't end up teaching for the with the other one. He asked me if we would organize classes. So we already had really good quality workshops going on every once in a while and so that it's, was a great it's, thing it's a good start yeah like if you get international stars the the first day of opening yeah but it, they were all really like what was des gens super intègre i don't yeah. know how to say like no one ever uh no one ever told me what they wanted to be paid we just gave them the money like mm. a percentage or a very high percentage of course but i mean None of those people, and many of them, have ever, ever said to me, I'll only come if you, with these conditions or that conditions. It's like, mm. le mot a été passé in a group of people that, you know, we, were, we weren't going to rip them off, and that Montreal is a fun place to be. Mm. The community here is good, and they want to come and teach here, the, which the, is The nice. proportion of dancers, artists here in Montreal is crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, I was explaining to somebody that you can go out dancing every night salsa, every night. It's the same for tango, yeah. It's crazy. Think about it. Like you, you think of cities that you can literally go out dancing every night. Do you have theories as to why that is? Because I do. My only idea. Let's hear yours first. <laughs> well, I'm no, not no. going to say like probably salsa is different because there's a a way bigger Latin community here than like. But here, here's the thing about Latin community. They don't go Mo salsa dancing. Not, not at that. They do. But the majority of salsa dancers are multicultural. The majority. Like I'm talking about 90%. So like if I just take the people that take classes at my, at my school, there is a, some percentage of Latinos, but it's like the same percentage as... Uh, I actually have a lot of Haitian people. 
Oh, nice. from IT, you know. So these these guys are really keen in learning and dancing. Uh, a lot of times, is I've, is salsa danced in Haiti at all? That's a good question. I don't know, but you know the the, the thing also that prevents. Well, I'm not I'm going to say prevents, but the the funniest thing is when uh, somebody uh, that is Latino that comes to see me. There's different there are this different personalities. The first one is, I danced all my life. I am an advanced dancer. So that's first personality. So I, I throughout the years I develop a skill not to destroy their ego yeah. while I evaluate them. Right. So my goal is to make them see that it's kind of different to go into a class. Right. And the other one is the funniest one is the I'm a Latino. I don't know how to dance. I'm ashamed of myself. Please help me. You know, it's Aww. like like, but it's, it's just said in a fun way that that these guys are are, are are lovely. It's a good clients to have. The other ones are just if they accept the fact that uh, it has nothing to do with what they dance or their lives. You know, it's like yeah, it's I dance all my life. What does that mean, right? It's like if I say I dance all my life and I go into ballet class, I'm gonna get destroyed. The first class, right? But if I have the impression that I'm such an amazing dancer, that impression is not very conducive to learning because if you never took classes and you go in with mm -hmm. that idea, mm -hmm. you're going to get mm -hmm. your ego. You, in any kind of learning process, we have to check our egos already. Okay, but to, to circle back, yeah, you go. said Montreal is a place where you can go out salsa dancing mm -hmm. every night. Correct. So just because they might have really good schools or mm -hmm. really good teachers doesn't mean you have the club culture. Why Correct. do you think Montreal has such a good salsa club culture? Before it was club culture. Right now it's studio based. Uh, you like or event in a studio. Like like uh, the two lovely ladies that do a salsa event here which are very nostalgic because I know this place very well. I love it. Um Just a shout out to Le Social and mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to my two friends that are doing it. And the other thing is... Sonia and is, Exactly. And they switched. They sw for some reason, it switched. That I don't know why. But to get back to... I wanted to know why do you think we have such a heavy jazz, tango, salsa that you don't see as much in other cities? Well, tango, I think, is because... the. You know, people like to say, oh, it's because of the Latin culture. And it's like, well, first of all, Argentine uh, tango art is not Latin dance. And secondly, uh, French is not uh, Latin either. So you could like, okay. Um, no, I think it's because the rents, I think this is one of the reasons, a contributing factor is that rents are relatively low here compared to many other places. And so for many years now, we've had spaces that are dedicated to either salsa or, or well, I'll speak more for tango, for tango, mm. meaning that the schools can like set themselves up like a little nightclub once or twice a week. And, yeah. and there's these dedicated schools where people can like go from a level one to a level two to a level three. We've got a kind of more structure than yeah. just run in and drop in for a class. And uh, this has over the years built, helped, contributed to building community. And That's I think it, like, I mean, like San Francisco, I, I go there a lot. I have a lot of friends there. My parents live on the West coast of Canada. So I tend to go to San Francisco's a great tango destination. Um, But it's amazing. Like, how do they ever do anything? Like, the rent is so expensive. Nobody can mm. actually keep classes going for that long. And it's like, I don't know how they do it. We have to have, like, a cocaine business on the side. 
because, because it's true. It, it's like when people talk to me about dance or the business of dance, it goes, listen, we're, we're just selling dance classes. It's very hard, like if when, when I see people that have rent of $5,000, $6,000 a month, it's like, how much students can you teach, you know? And the competition in Montreal is quite high. Well, okay, so this place, uh, you say you know it well because of Le Social. Mm -hmm. This place was started by um, Tango Social Club. Uh, Barack and Kristen, who... And what's, what's the square footage? I don't Approximately. Know. Look at, this looks like a, at least 2,000, 3,000 so. square feet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. About even, maybe a bit more. Let's just say 3,000. So we were downtown and then we were on Notre Dame and uh, the building got sold that we were in mm. on Notre Dame and I didn't really know what to do and rent was starting to be so expensive downtown. Yeah. Even that rent, I couldn't have stayed there any yeah. either. And uh, Kristen Mimbarak, who had this place, were like, well, why don't you, we're not teaching any classes anymore. Like since they, since after she had her baby, they didn't have, they didn't, teach anymore they were kind of making ends meet just by holding their tango events i think it was saturday night and monday night and then renting out to other people like the mm. salsa people etc yeah. and she's like well why don't why don't you move in here you could hold classes and my tango night is wednesday so it doesn't really compete mm. with anyone we started wednesday night when we first started our studio because we just picked we didn't want to do a dance evening. We just thought, okay, many of the other tango studios are offering free practices and we don't want to be stuck on the weekend doing that. So why don't we make it Wednesday night? It'll be free for our students and everybody else will pay three bucks to get in. And that's how our Wednesday night started. So we picked Wednesday because no one else was doing anything on a Wednesday three, night. Three dollars. It was a practice, right? But three dollars. Like what can you get with for three dollars? Three dollars nowadays. Like I'm thinking. Well, I, in I was my charging... opinion, I don't think salsa people charge enough for their evenings, and I could make a whole podcast about that. I agree with you. I, I think don't it's understand. I don't uh, understand. <laughs> I, I don't. And, and the reason I hear from different salsa people because yeah. I know a few, and I not that yeah. many, but I know a couple. Oh, we can't charge more because the others don't charge more. I was like, yeah. well, why don't you all get together and decide to charge more? Let's do a mafia-based salsa. Well, why doesn't everybody raise their things? Why doesn't everybody have a meeting and say, let's all raise our stuff $2? What's $2? What the hell is $2? Yeah. $2 is nothing. People pay five bucks for a coffee. I cannot agree with you more because if you think about it, if you get like a whole event of, let's say, three hours and whatever you want to do in life for three hours, it's going to cost you more than $5. Whatever. Take in any kind of activity you're going to be paying. And I think that... How much does it cost to go to a movie? <laughs> I think it's uh, what's it's now twelve per person at least, and you buy your popcorn. You're you're like twenty dollar popcorn. Okay, well we don't all go to a movie more than once a month but, but, or once I, a week. But or, I mean, yeah, I I completely agree with you about the price, and we were always trying to give value, but at the same time we have to be realistic. Sure. For example, I am a dance school that offers a dance evening as a, like a complimentary service. That's how I see, saw it. But I saw everybody that was charging $5, you know? So when I put it at eight, I was starting to feel insecure when I did it. And I really had to talk to people and blah, 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 and say, listen, seriously, $5. Like, 
I, I, for me, it didn't, it didn't compute. And we have rent and we have all the costs, right? And rent and, goes up every year. Et voilà. Et voilà. So I, that, that uh, I cannot agree with you more. When yeah. I went to New York, my first time I went there. Ooh. But you get free punch. 25 US to go and dance. But you get free punch. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. So 25 US. But that was a special event? I, no, just to get in the club. Oh, no. Just to get no, in the tango, club. Tango, I would say maybe $15 okay. in New York City, something like that. 15 US. But so maybe I got a free punch. <laughs> <laughs> Here, uh, yeah, the, 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 yeah, no, the money thing is. I, no, like I agree with you. But 100%. after that, you, you create expectation, right? So I, I think for any kind of event, I, for me, from my, if my only opinion, you get three hours, four hours a day, ten bucks a minimum. That's the bare minimum. You know, I, I think it'd be fair play. We always, well, not right now because of the COVID yeah. thing, but we always have a free practice time on Sundays for our students. Yeah, free for our students, and anyone else who came in had to pay an amount, which that's changed it. over the years. It was. Uh, Eight, yeah, no, but something like that. That's, but that's but anyway, what we do too. but same thing. At, when we were down in Notre Dame, I mean, we had more students down there. I think I was starting to talk about when we moved here, but I'll yeah. go back to that. But we had we had more students. This was a great location. I mean, we were not attached to a neighborhood. We were uh, near a metro. Our biggest beginner, you know, you you want to base your business on beginners, right? Hundred percent. The our beginner clientele was not attached to a neighborhood it was people who worked downtown or went to university downtown how many people is that we were like it you know and and we were easy enough to get to that no matter where they lived like if they were south shore they were happy to take a class in town and then beat traffic later going home and stuff like that so there were too many people coming to our Sunday practice is what I mm. wanted to start so then we had to reserve the first hour of the practice for beginners only Got it. You know, kind of thing. But um, what happened is like people kind of stop taking class and they're still coming to your damn practice because they like it. So we had to kind of start boosting other events and try to shift the population out sure. because you still want to have the practice for your students kind of thing. But uh, I don't know about salsa. I think maybe you guys get people out on the dance floor faster, but in tango people are scared they don't go for the reasons you cited in the beginning. It's intimidating yeah. and it's intimidating to figure out how to ask. Salsa, at least, you you strike out your little territory on the floor and you can flub it up, but you're just in your little space. Well, Tango, you have to na navigate do you, do you think, around do you the room. Do you think it's because it's a little longer to get some kind of proficiency in Tango? Yeah. I, I, feel, I yeah. feel that way but with my very limited experience. Yeah. I feel... Yeah. And but it, there's the same fear in salsa. I can relate because a lot of my guys are going to say to me, oh, "I'm not going to go out until I'm good." I know. Gonna, you're going to be good if you go out. That's what I answer. Oh, you're going to be good, good if you go out. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know. I was pushed into the dance floor. Somebody pushed me. Literally, it, it, the girl was kind of coming towards me. He knew the girl. He pushed me towards her. I just <gasps> terrorized. You know. So. My first experience with a really, really good dancer, and she was smiling and very and nice, nice to me. Aww. And I just put her back, like I went, brought her back, and and I, I came back. I was like, I danced with a goddess. And to this day, when I cross that girl in Montreal, I have the same kind of look at her. Like the way I look at her is like, you're the one 
<laughs> you made you you broke the yeah, spell you know remember that oh then. yeah you broke the spell i was i was not gonna dance that night i remember there was one also traumatizing stories when i got really good in montreal and i was going into clubs and i'm like i'm the man you know it's like i felt on the top of the food chain you know and then back then there was no youtube no nothing no videos i decided to go to a congress for my first time And I ended up Here? in the biggest LA Congress. Ooh. And I get out on the dance floor and people are dancing. The first night I froze of, of different emotions. Like first in my head, I was like, okay, I, I really suck. Second emotion is like, how come there's like levels to this? Like, you, you know, like when you, oh. you, 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 when you come really good in your community, you, you need to, to travel and yeah. to see. But right now we can see it because YouTube is big. You can see who's yeah. good. But back then you had to go. So when I went there, I was like, I got my ass whooped. And then when I came back here, this is when I saw the hybrid of all the dances that the people were putting in salsa. And I started to, to decide to take dance training outside the salsa. Mm -hmm. So to get a little more sauce in, in whatever. So does Montreal salsa, is there a, if Montreal dancers went to dance, for example, in another city, would mm. people be able to say right away, oh, they're from Montreal because of a certain style that it's they a have? Good, it's a good question. I think that the way we move, we move like New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. And for a very particular reason is that we accepted and we went, we sought out uh, the influence of the New York uh, Was that style. New York was more the place that if you wanted to go take a special class, Correct. you went to New York? Yeah, and you, you went to see one particular guy. Mm -hmm. It was called Eddie Torres. Yeah. And this guy been teaching. And it, whomever is teaching right now got taught by him at some point. So even on the international scene. So that guy, caught, uh, he, he, he basically placed a, a code on the salsa and the terms we use. Mm -hmm. 90% of them are from him. And he was the most... Uh, Did you come here when he was here a couple yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah, all the time, all yeah. the time. He, he's such a lovely, amazing like a person just to chat with. And I, I, I briefly chatted with him a couple of times. His classes is the... The way he teaches is the way I think... He portrays salsa for what it is and what I aspire. You know, like when you see a teacher and the way he teaches, the energy he brings... You're thinking, okay, this is what salsa should look like. Mm -hmm. And much respect to this guy. And, um, you know, we, we, we owe him a debt of gratitude for, for, for the fact that I can do my business in a very structured fashion. And uh, so, yeah, that was the man. So hmm. the only difference is the, the, the steps, the steps with a, I don't want to get too technical here, but like the two, the two exactly. This I know a little bit about because, exactly. you know, uh, Carolyn, Paris Correct. has had uh, her classes here in this space for a few, two, three years now, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I know that that's her thing. And she was like, worked with him for a exactly. long time. And I know her from before as well, because way back in the day, she had done a little bit of tango before she left to live in New York. Mm. So I know her, you know, a little bit through those connections. And yeah, I know that she worked with him and, and the influence of what I think when she started teaching When she moved her classes here, she wanted to make that the kind of the, she wanted to have, if I don't want to speak out of turn, but she was reducing 
uh, the size of her school, less people. And she wanted to just sort of teach specialty classes with the two mm-hmm. thing. Um, I'm not sure if she's exclusively doing that anymore, but it was it was something that she wanted to specialize in. 100%. It's, it's, it's a tough mandate, I think, because it's like um, you want to teach Cantonese to a bunch of people that speak Mandarin. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, the people that dance, and, and, and I'm an advocate dance on whatever beat you, you want to learn, you know, dance other styles, dance, uh, you want to, there's three beats to dance salsa, learn the three beats, you know, don't reduce yourself to one beat, right? Or one way of doing it. But, uh, it's, it, 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 because it's a language that is shared and because dance is what is shared. I think because Montreal was a very strong on one or on that particular beat and 95% and all the people that learn on two were the, called the elites that went around the congresses i think we i dance on two on one it doesn't matter but i think it's like introducing that language to people that already dance on one like let's say if i would do it at my school i would just alienate people it just it's the point is to dance together right Mm -hmm. so if i dance on one you're really good on one dancer i'll introduce the on two in the advanced classes so that you're aware Mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna start teach three four beats because when you're gonna go out dancing most of the people dance on one, so I would just annoy you, I think. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's not as big a deal, but I mean, in, in tango we have, um, there's different terminology from depending on when you learned it and how much you stay into, uh, you know, it is an improvised dance, but there's certain things that are codified and, and mm. whatever. And there's the traditional step that is seen as one of the basics is when the leader leads the follower to the cross, we call it. So the way I was taught it is with a set pattern of eight steps, but we don't teach that anymore for years. I don't think anyone in Montreal teaches things in a memorized fashion anymore. But you have to tell your students that, okay, you know, you may go somewhere where this is referred to as five. Yeah, You have to know Mm -hmm. that. Correct. But we teach it after they've learned it, mm-hmm. hopefully that they'll still, yeah, yeah. I think I think the 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 um, the preoccupation of let's say you have the technical aspect, you have um, the the people that want to perform, you want to teach them a certain way, but at the end of the day, we want to make our students the how should I say this? We want to sort teach, of universal, correct? Like for me, I don't want to create like a system that doesn't work with other systems like mm-hmm. this is this bila productions no i want to see what's popular out there and when you hit the out there mm-hmm. you'll be as best as you can be so what are the popular moves you mm-hmm. know if the moves evolve i'll teach the new moves and i'll tell you this is the old school way this is the what's happening right now i actually teach stuff i don't do i actually teach stuff i don't like to do mm-hmm. and i literally tell them and goes listen this is not my bag of tricks but you better know it because if you go there and the, yeah. and, and the guy starts to move you around, you're going to be no, like, what is he doing? It's like DJing. I, I DJ tango events and, mm. you know, you don't play, uh, you have to play the orchestras that you don't really care for that much because somebody likes it, Correct. right? So you were talking about like way, way back in the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about 
I was talking about a set number of dances. Like you said to me, there's like three dance. Like you can't give up someone in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I was talking about how you you invite with the eyes or I not or whatever. Yeah. So yes. So there are usually four songs to a set. Got it. Standardly, most parts of the world. When I started in tango Montreal, it was five, but it's four. And then we have other types of music at the event. So things are punctuated with like four tangos from one orchestra from a certain time period, right? Because tango music that you hear in tango clubs is mostly from the 1940s, late 30s to early 50s mostly. So four from a certain orchestra from a certain year. Got it. And then what's played is a cortina, which is going to be usually traditionally a non-danceable music that is not tango, that signifies to everybody, go sit down so you can re-invite again. Got it. Okay, it's so this is, I'm talking moment. in the most traditional format. The gaze, mo- gaze moment. The gaze moment, <laughs> right? So in some places I've been to more traditional tango meets in the U.S. where mm. if you don't sit down, you are told that you're not being um, correct because if you don't sit down and let's say you and I decide we're going to dance yeah. another set yeah. well you're blocking someone else's view ah. <gasps> you, you don't know how much I love this because this is something that I never heard in my life yeah. and now I'll know when I'll go into a tango so place so you have what's to like up? go off to the side <laughs> And in some places where like there's these huge tango things or maybe they're not as big now, but the huge back in the day in like Portland, Oregon and San Francisco, where um, you would use that moment also to switch to the other side of the room where there's not as much of a traffic jam mm. because tango goes around the room, right. right? And if people only have a certain spaces where they can enter onto the floor, those spaces tend to get like, so yeah, so you have a tango set another tango set, another four songs, and yeah. then it's going to be punctuated with either waltz tango, which is, to anyone who's never heard it before, it's waltz, but it's got a tango-y feel to it, so there's something called waltz tango, then four tangos, then another four tangos, and then milonga, which is a precursor to tango. It's For anyone who doesn't know anything about it, it's just faster. And it's got got a lot of the same steps, but there are rhythmic rules that are applied. Mm. Whereas in tango has no rhythmic rules, different from salsa or other dances, right? So, and, And that's supposed to liven it up. But when I started tango, it followed more the Argentine way where things got punctuated once in a while with a rock and roll set Mm. and a salsa set. Are you serious? Yep. Wow. Yeah, because tango's depressing and you want to have, <laughs> well, they would call it in Argentina, they call it a tropical set, but oh. what they usually mean is cumbia, but it's like yeah, it for yeah. us, we thought it was salsa. So, uh, you know, and people would just rush on the dance floor to have a moment of joy. Wow. Yeah. Man. And then, I don't know, in Montreal, the or uh, we became more influenced by the U.S. And in the U.S., they didn't really have in very many places these salsas spurts uh, wow. in during the evening and then there's they use, different they cult- use salsa to cheer you up can you well I'm, this? i think it serves as cheering you up <laughs> <laughs> right well so does the waltz tango and yeah. so does the malanga because they're, they they yeah, are you know, and not all tango is is morbidly sad but a good part of it is i mean that's their sort of raison d'etre yeah, it's for sure. sort of like you know based in kind of nostalgia i think mm. is the word without it making sounding tragic but 
there's different culture in tango as well. Like on the West Coast of the U.S., where I go dancing a lot because I mentioned my parents live out West, everybody dances two tandas. Two. Always. And it's looked at as being bad if you were to say thank you after the first tanda. Tanda so, is a set of four. Yeah. Man, you're dancing for what, a half an hour. Yeah, and then there would be those jokes that came out that if you were in proximity for more than 12 minutes with someone, you'd fall in love with them. <laughs> uh, My God, yeah, 30 but, minutes. But so out west, uh, yeah, yeah. Out west they, they, they often know. will do two tandas unless there are people who go frequently to Argentina wow. and there it's only one tanda kind of thing. But so here, when they come here, you're not sure, like, should I do the two tandas with mm. them? And um. When I first started doing tango, it was like you could just dance all night with someone and it wasn't really, you weren't whispered about, but now it could be... You're hogging. You're hogging the puck. Oh, you're going home with the person, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my man. Yeah. That's my man. I'm yeah, not yeah, looking yeah. at anybody yeah. else. So there's all these rules that exist in tango, but in Montreal, is, is like in everything else in Montreal, some people are conservative and some people are not. So uh, you have to just be aware of it. Otherwise, you could sit out all night and not understand what's going on. Or you could go up to a lady and invite her to dance and not understand why she says no. Because some of these people who really believe in this codified way of, of uh, inviting someone to dance mm. think that it's an insult to be invited directly. Wow. So then you get into like a whole type of... The, the, these rules are important to know when you go out in an evening. Yeah. That's why I probably got weird vibes the first time I went to an evening without any skills. Yeah, and that's why probably we, I was standing in the middle of the room and people wondering what the hell this guy's doing. No, and we do a chit chat with our students, like we call it, like a between us, we call it like a baby a baby milonga, but we we call it la petite milonga, and mm. we do it like once a session or so, and we invite all the beginners to come and we explain all this etiquette. So the other thing is, is like in our culture, we have a habit to say thank you. But if you say thank you after a dance in tango, it means you're finished. So you don't say thank you in the middle of a set. You talk about other things like where are you from, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever, but you don't say thank you. And when you say thank you when the cortina starts, it means you're saying, okay, thanks, goodbye. Hmm. That's a very interesting dive into a tango world, and I, yeah. and I learned a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now now I'm, I'm more educated in the tango world, because like I said, the first time I, I came there was, uh, like, it's like a going into another planet. Did someone invited you to go? Or? I can't remember. I think I just went in to see. Because okay. I thought I was passing by and I went in, and I, I think there was another place that I went in to see, just to see what's the vibe, you know? And of course, when you don't understand all these things, you, you miss the boat. Like you miss the yeah, you don't understand. Like what people are, how people are dancing. People are going in circles. Is there's what are the rules and stuff like that? Yeah. But well, anyway. you know the way when you said something about like tango, maybe is people dance closer and stuff like that. Well, yeah. in the beginning, I would never like to go salsa dancing because I didn't know what was acceptable behavior and what Correct. was not. Yeah. And when you go into a club, and people target you right away as being the new person who mm -hmm. doesn't know anything looking young you get those creepy guys oh yeah right that exists in tango it exists everywhere 100%. and so i would always like don't leave me alone yeah. don't leave me alone because you didn't know what kind of touching was not correct the one of the the, the best dancers in montreal 
she when she was going out dancing in clubs she was very young she was like 16 and i said to her that must have been weird because i knew about these creepy guys and goes that must have been weird that when she was 16 years old and you were going out of these places she goes i paid my dues of creepy guys trust me I you know bet. it's like never again but imagine you're 16 years old you go in those clubs you exactly get you said you're targeted and then and they try to teach you those ah, guys man these guys if i if I have like skits on these guys, you know? <laughs> so I, the thing is, I always say to my students, you have to be aware that that kind of attitude exists because, because you're so fragile and I don't care what kind of person you are. When you start dancing, you're still going to have that kind of like this lack of confidence that could be shaken. And I say, man, guys, just be careful. It's not always your fault. Just mm-hmm. think about that. If ever somebody gives you that kind of feeling when you dance or you te- over teaches you, Like I always say, the good dancers, they have different abilities. And one of them is to be able to make you dance at any level and make you feel good at any yeah, level. Yeah, that's true. And, and even if you, like when I grab a person's hand after 20 years, the way she gives me her hand, I know what level she is. You know what? Somebody know. said that to me once. I know. I don't, I don't I, need to know. I was at a tango thing here in Montreal at a place that doesn't exist anymore. And I had gone because a friend of mine from the U.S. It was like the middle of the week, like Thursday or something. It was the night before a big event that was starting a particular yeah. weekend. And I went that day because a friend of mine was DJing and I'd never heard him DJ. And I wanted to hear if he was good or not so that the later I could like invite him or not to DJ at our place and know what he played mm-hmm. like, right? And I'm sitting at the bar Uh, with my back to the bar and I'm looking at the dance floor and um, there was a guy sitting near me who was from out of town and kind of someone introduced me kind of to him, but he didn't like click on like you should invite her to dance kind of thing. Did he look at you? Not really, no. <laughs> well, we were both sitting with our backs to yeah, the bar. No gazes And there, he right? was like a couple feet away. Got it. No, 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 not really. And... um I, at one point, I thought, okay, you know, he's from Europe, and maybe there they invite more, like women invite more maybe, or maybe they just invite, and I was like, you know, this is your city, you should like invite him, like be more hostessy kind of thing, but I couldn't get my courage up, and so then I thought, okay, I'll invite him when the next set starts, right, and then the set that starts is this orchestra that is one of the most complicated musics that only well, either you're, you're innocent, you have no idea, or it's known to, like, you would only dance that usually in a situation where you know the quality or mm. the experience of the person you're dancing with. Mm. And it has a connotation of, like, in Argentina, you would only dance with your uh, conjoint on that Got music, it. okay? So Got I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't, ans- I can't ask him to dance on this, right? Because it signifies, like, I would be interested in him and Like, whatever. So I'm like, oh, no. And he invited me to dance. He's like, do you want to dance? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I thought, okay, well, it's true. Like, in Europe, they're different, you know. And and so what you're going to say about the hand, right? So he, you know, took hand and went to do the, the embrace. Okay, it was actually a fantastic uh, set. And we did another set afterwards. Fantastic because I think sometimes um, when you connect well with someone, it has to do with the way they listen to the music, right? Yeah. So you, I don't believe that there's a, such a thing as really being musical or unmusical in tango because we aren't strictly having to 
do anything rhythmically. Mm-hmm. It can, you can choose to be dancing very lyrically or with mm-hmm. the thing. So it has to do with the way you're listening. And it's like I knew always what kind of accents he was going to pull out of the music and stuff like that. But what he said to me two days later was when he held my, felt my hand, he knew immediately the type of connection, connection communication right. we would have. And I thought, oh, that's the first time anyone ever said that. I didn't really yeah. understand what he meant. It's the sensitivity. It's like you, you, a lot of experience probably and a lot of uh, training people. Like uh, um, anything, when you train a lot of people, I think you get a heightened sensitivity in, in, like, in body language. It's like you, the way the person stands. Ah, she did ballet. You know, it's like, you know, things like that. And, mm-hmm. and I, would, I would test my, my hypothesis on people. I would judge them and ask them after. I, like I, I dance with a girl and I go, you train in what, hip hop, right? She goes, yeah. And, and sometimes I would fail, but most of the time I would get it right because it's body language. Uh, guys, like you can tell in tango in martial arts. Mm. They're usually really well coordinated, yeah, right? They correct. know how to move well. Yeah, for sure. But they don't have the kind of movement in their body that someone who's coming from, from salsa Correct. would have, that and you the, have to unfortunately destroy in tango. 100%, 100%. Yeah. And it's unlearning, relearning, but some people that are used to take classes or used to being coached, they're just coached faster. Because mm-hmm. when you tell them something, they're already... They know how to learn. Exactly. Or they know how to understand a comment. Voila. So, you know, at one point I was talking about when we moved here. So yeah. our place was closing down. They sold the building and they invited us to move in here. And they... Um, so there was already the social salsa night here on Sundays at that point. And when we moved in, we asked the landlord about taking that messy office space yeah. that you yeah, saw yeah. because we were going to share it. We had our yeah. different businesses going on, but we were going to share it. And I thought that whole idea of kind of collaborating, like they ran their events, we ran our school, but we collaborated on like a New Year's Eve thing. You know, things like yeah. projects together, it's fun. <clears throat> So the landlord at that point was like, well, why don't you take the front room? Because that back office was was part of that front room. Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, we have no money. We're moving in together to save money. And to be honest, the landlord gave us that space at the front rent-free for the first year. Got it. And a good deal for a couple of years after that. And mm-hmm. that's why this space is so big, which is I'm coming to because you talked about at the beginning of COVID with people having big rents to pay. The rent here having this large space is justified because you have two huge dance schools. You had our school, Caroline's school that, okay, she rents from us, but it's a significant amount of hours each month. The salsa night, other swing night, things like this. But now there is nothing. So if we don't have, and even our schools, like our school never made money. Our school made enough money to pay the teachers and pay publicity but what pays the rent is the dance evenings there are no dance evenings anymore mm-hmm. and we even had a little bar here and everything right uh, so what's going to happen you know at what point do you decide that it's crazy to try to keep it because everybody's got a sentimental attachment to the room yeah, i agree so when we were talking earlier about sometimes i don't know when to give up on something I'm a bit worried about that. How will I know that it's no longer worth it to keep fighting? You know, people have talked about there's a, a tangle place in Montreal that closed down. 
with COVID, but it's not true. Well, their rent, their lease was over. They're lucky. Yeah. Their lease was over. Yeah. So they have a. F- they were all people who actually do other kinds of jobs. They they weren't uniquely teaching tango. So okay, they're taking a break from it. They put their stuff in storage and they can reopen afterwards. Yeah. But what happens to us who have these? spaces that like other people poured their heart into decorating decorating and stuff and we've added but you know i will reassure you it has nothing to do with you what you described as you won't know because of your personality trait i will tell you the exact same thing and i don't have that i don't have like what you described as what I know, like do do I let go things easy? I actually have the same question in my head as let's say if this drags along. I, w- I was literally thinking out loud at some point because how would I know? Like is it something's going to ding, 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 ding? And is it okay, you have to close, you know? <sighs> I think it's going to be a question, a very pragmatic answer. No? Yeah. Like it's going to be like a really a point where financially – It doesn't make sense anymore. Like, or you can't, like, I can tolerate being in the red for a while, but what, yeah. for a year? No. no. Yeah, no. You see, so you, you can already, you can already place the limit to a year, you know? So right now it's like keeping the boat afloat, like when we say, like we could say, like trying to keep, to do everything in our power. Like for me right now, yeah. the way I see it is that uh, I don't want to make profit. I don't want to, I don't, I don't even care uh, how many classes, who, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't care about numbers, let's say for a year, right? So let's say if I don't lose too much money, mm-hmm. but I can go in my studio right now and give, let's say an evening class on online virtual evening class. I think for now, for a couple of months, even for my mental health, that would be the best answer, right? Mm-hmm. So, so. After that, it's up for grabs. And, and, and the problem with me and you is we have a business that is uh, the first one to go. We're in leisure connection dance business. And it's pretty much impossible to, to know the outcome. And that's scary. I think it's fair to say, right? We, we, yeah. we can hypothesize. We can catastrophize. We can have scenarios. And in two months... Whatever we predicted is not going to happen. Well, you know, this is interesting. I am um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, not right at the beginning, but um, because of my connection with West Coast Tango, I know people in Asia. Okay, that sounds weird, but no, I, know I know people I know, who I teach know, in, in Asia. I completely understand. I know people who yeah. live there. So a very good friend of mine, he's, I met him when he was going to Stanford, I think, but So I met him in the U.S. He's from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. but he married someone in Korea, and they have a tango school there. Mm-hmm. And so Korea got hit by COVID way before us. Mm-hmm. And I did an interview with him in, I think it was May or mm-hmm. something like that. I, I wanted to invite him. We were doing little Zoom cocktail chat nights, and I mm-hmm. thought it would be fun to invite him to talk about how tango and how things are going there. But He, he didn't want to go on Zoom because he'd been quite proficient with uh, protesting about stuff going on in Hong Kong and he was worried about China, whatever. You know, so, he, so I taped an interview with him. Mm-hmm. And they had been gone. Things never closed down in Korea. 
completely. Uh, though there was no dancing for a 10-week period. Mm -hmm. And when they opened back up, I asked him, like, um, are people, like, nervous about coming back? And he said, well, you know, we worried about that. And I was like, and do you only teach at a distance? Or are you doing close embrace? And he's like, yeah, we had this whole idea of how we were going to plan. And then he said, you know, people just showed up and just danced normally. And I was like, he said, but in the very beginning, about 50% of the people showed up. Yeah. Okay, because they were you know, nervous. And he said, but we saw the numbers increasing every week. Now they had not only classes, they had practices and they had dance evenings. Then there was a little, um, uh, an eclosion of spike, yeah. spike of cases in a discotheque in, in Seoul, Korea. And so the government closed down all dance clubs. However, they were still allowed to teach classes and stuff, but there were no more dance evenings. And he said, it's hysterical. Like you'll look at a place that was normally a dance club. And instead of reading Milonga, which is like the dance evening, it's just practice, 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 practice. And they do like practices with a maximum of 50 people every few hours. So I already kind of knew how they were doing it there. But the thing is, is at the end of the conversation, he said to me, well, like, what are the numbers like in your city or, or what are the numbers like there? And I told him whatever the number was, how many people. And he's like, but that's your country, right? And I'm like, no, that's my city. And he was blown away because those places that we heard of as being a catastrophe, they got a hold of the situation fast. And he said here, the way it is, is like people wear masks or they don't wear masks, but they had really heavy tracing on their phones and everything like that. And he's like, we just have confidence that, you know, there's going to be an outbreak and the government will tell these people to isolate and people do isolate and they control it. Mm. And they have gone back. If you look at photos of people dancing tango in Taiwan, in Korea, in Hong Kong, in Vietnam, in Beijing, they're all dancing at normal dance clubs without masks. I know. And it's like, at one point I realized they have been able to get back to a semi kind of normal situation faster than us yeah. but we are never going to get at one point i thought we're never going to get that way if they can't get people to wear masks here yeah. if they can't control things like that we're we're going to be in this kind of but you know <sighs> but like i i lived in taiwan for a year and a half oh you did so so i can i can completely understand how they did it not, not completely but i i know the cultural uh, differences and i know that a taiwan from what i read they, they caught the virus in December. So in, yeah. in January, it's already full-blown measures. They, they literally yeah. printed masks. They, they, everybody got masks. Everybody, and, and it's not only about masks. I think it's about the speed of intervention. Mm -hmm. It was quite impressive when I read the, the history of the intervention. Yeah, they did I wanted very to know. well there, didn't Taiwan, they? crazy guys. Uh, and, and, and the thing is with Taiwan, I just want to mention, when people think about Taiwan, just think about of a heavy industrialized modern society. Because sometimes you have prejudices about uh, some Asian part of the world. Like they were technologically way more advanced than us here. And the speed of internet is fast. You know, here mm. we like it's, it's, mm. it's just, it's just a, a very, let's call it a very organized and well uh, coordinated society. Yeah. Like when I was there, we, I was during the SARS, or how do you call it? SARS. SARS, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I, wow. I, my temperature was measured in front of my apartment building. 
like I couldn't get my in my in my bed. <laughs> so this is the same you see you know? in uh, where he is in Korea. It's yeah. the same yeah. kind of thing. It's crazy. And the, the temp the, the, back then, you you would have cam temperature cameras everywhere when you go into malls. Temperature cameras and people sitting there just looking at the camera, checking the body temperature for everybody. That's we're talking about the the SARS. Look, my cousin was here because his dad was ill and he was here for quite a while. And then at one point, I think it was around February mm -hmm. 20 something, my mom, because I don't know why, like my cousin's here and I hear from my mom who's in Victoria. Oh, Bruce went back to Beijing because that's where he works, right? Yeah. I'm like, he went back? Like, because we were like China, 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 yeah. but they already had it under control there. And aside from the fact that it didn't actually hit all of China the same yeah. way, but, uh, Yeah, he's and I spoke to him a couple times chatting and he was like, no, I go to work like once every, they have us going once every two days. Like they, they had it all organized so much, so much earlier. Mm. And I, just before it came, oh, well, to go back to what my friend in Korea was saying, you know, they never closed the border to China and Korea is right beside China. Mm. So no, politically, there was a lot of discussion and they never did it. So, you know, all this with the US saying, oh, they closed the border to China. Well, okay, whatever. You know, Korea never closed their border to China and they yeah. had tourism going back and forth com continuously. But I was in Hawaii where I have friends. I had, I had was there in February. So I was just come back to Montreal just before Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And I had was supposed to be meeting a friend in Honolulu for dinner and he texted me and said no i've just got back from hong kong where he's from originally and he's like i've decided to quarantine to self-quarantine for two weeks so this is not the first time i heard somebody in our part of the world talk about that he's like i i decided to self-quarantine and he told me all about how in hong kong people were going crazy they were trying to find masks there were no masks and it was true that in honolulu which is like halfway to asia Already the pharmacies beginning of February had big signs outside saying, we have no more masks. There's more of a connection to Asia. So I was mm. already thinking about it. And I came back to Montreal. And there was, you know, beginning of March, we were hearing more about Italy and the catastrophes over there. There was a huge, huge, huge tango event in Montreal with an orchestra from Argentina. And we had already announced here everybody should like... Uh, sterilize their hands if they change mm. partners and we were thinking about are we going to close or not going to yeah. close I go to this event and I'm going to say where it was huge like over 300 people no hand sanitizer out no signs up and I thought oh my god and there was a woman at my table who was from Ottawa And she's like, I can't believe this. She says, like, I won't. She had a hand sanitizer. She said, I can't believe it. Nobody's like, you know. And then it was the next week that everything yeah. closed down. Happened so fast, huh? Yeah. Like, duck, 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 duck. Like, oh, But okay. it was because of that event that mm. I was started to think, okay, we have to close. And yeah. I was in connection because we were having a festival coming up in May. And I was in connection with some of the teachers in Argentina. And there was a group of them in Argentina that lobbied that all the tango clubs should decide to close. And he's like, you should do that. You should do that. And it was March 11th. And we, we closed the next day. We announced we were closing. And then the government told everyone we had to close a few days after that anyways. But yeah. there were other people in the tango community who were not happy that we decided to close because they felt that that put pressure on them. But it was like, I didn't do it with the idea thinking that I wasn't consulting everybody. It's just, we decided 
all the teachers we met together and I said, I think we should close the big evenings. What do you think about the classes? And everybody was, no, let's close all the classes. What a life. Huh? What a life we live now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Well, yeah. it's been... Uh, we an could have many of these conversations, minutes, right? We busted. I said to you, oh, one hour, maybe one hour 30. So we can chat for uh, sitting here for a good old day. Well, first of all, thank you for the deep dive in oh, Tango. Thank you thank for you. inviting thank me. Thank That's so, so nice much. of you. Thank you so much. I learned so a so bunch of uh, etiquette. So, yeah. so that when I go out, if, in case I go out, if somebody looks You'll at understand. me, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> You'll understand. Oh, she's not just flirting with exactly, me. Exactly, exactly. Like, look, she's looking at me. Maybe she wants it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank and we'll you do for inviting uh, we'll, me. We'll let's do, let's uh, do this again, though. 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carol. Okay, thank you.